How much elite talent is truly headed to Tallahassee? You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back in everyone. I am Brian Smith. I am your host in this late night edition after I got back from Tallahassee in a five hour drive is going to be all about recruiting because that's what I went up to the panhandle for to see a few prospects, including Mr. Danzy at Florida High in Tallahassee. But before we get into that, I kind of want to go over the show and why I'm doing it now. I'll talk a little bit about him and more specifically in a show later this week. But I wanted to do this because we're getting ready to go into not only the regular season, obviously LSU and Florida State kick it off here real soon, but it's also getting close to September 1st, players taking official visits, finishing out the class of 24, working on the class of 25. There's all kinds of things with recruiting going on, but people have their eyes, and rightfully so, on the season. That's fine. But if you ever think that college coaches do that, and if they do, they're not going to be employed long, 365, 365 days a year. There are no such things as days off in recruiting. Yes, Christmas and everything. Cards, emails, everything, it is 365. That being stated, Florida State has already, in my opinion, the makings of a really, really good class, and it's elite beyond what the recruiting services think it is based on what I've seen with my own two eyes. And I'm going to go in to depth about some of those kids here in a minute, but it is a really good class. We're going to talk about the impact players, the positions they play. They've hit on some key positions and things they need to do to finish out the class overall, because we are still four months, four months from National Signing Day. So I believe it's December 20th. So just under, we're about 120 days away. That's a long ways off. A lot of things can change in recruiting. FSU's working on the 25 class, et cetera. So uh, with that, uh, please note that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes life can be tricky. Decisions may not be clear for everything that you have going on. If you feel like there's too much stress, perhaps something is going on with your work, school, maybe it's a relationship, bills, etc. BetterHelp can be a resource for you. It's an online service. Um, allow therapy to be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege. Now, let's talk a little bit about what, what do I mean by elite talent? It has multiple meanings to different people and all that. But I look at it like this. Players that can come in and and contribute as freshmen. Impact. Players that not only do it on special teams, but first and 10, you know, specialty packages on defense, a speed rusher, a cover corner that's really good at going against the slot, whatever it is. They got some kind of unique gift that right now I can make an impact in play. And to that point, Florida State, let's just use one kid, for example, Charles Lester, very good corner. He had a big-time game in their opening win 
against Tampa Bay Tech. He's at Venice High School, and Tech's got two Power Five receivers in the class of 25, a year younger than Charles, and they didn't do diddly against Venice. Venice did a great job in that game, the schematics and all that, but Charles was a big part of it. He helped not only make Florida State's class better, but you're starting to see things on the field. Sometimes it just stands out. When you shut down guys that have 25, 30 offers, you're pretty good. So let's just use him. Elite size, length, speed, all those attributes. For those of us that follow seven on seven a lot, Charles was a kid when he was like 14, 15. Everybody's like, okay, this is this is going to be pretty obvious. On top of that, he could have played receiver or corner. Corner is by far the more needed position in college because most kids want to play receiver. And it's by an extremely large margin. So you're talking about a player that has all the talent at a critical position to need. And Florida State has seniors and upperclassmen on the depth chart. I mean, it's the home run across every gamut that you can think of. And I'm trying to think of even one way you can look at it and not think that's a home run. I could have used somebody else, but Lester is a very, very special player. And he's a kid that I think will come in and play in some capacity as a freshman for the Knowles. Maybe it's maybe it's something along the lines of finding a way to get on the field as the nickel or the boundary or whatever. They'll work him in. He's too athletic not to play right away. If you look at some of the other guys, Cam Davis is somebody I talked about. That's like the first podcast I did. He had a great first game running back, catching the ball. I've seen him play safety. Versatility is good, and that's something else we'll talk a little bit about. But an impact guy because he can be a power running back. He can be a third down back. He can block. He can do anything that you really need and do it right away. He, he was a grown man by the time he was a sophomore in high school. Physically gifted, but he's continued to get better. Really continued to get better, and that's impressive. Luke Cromahawk is a kid. Jaden Parrish is a kid. Obviously, K.J. Bolden. The list is pretty extensive on guys that I think can come in and play, and they can do it at positions that Florida State, again, needs. You always need quarterback. That kind of speaks for itself. But now can you look at it from a perspective of what are you doing to make this work long-term? Is this something you're going to be able to finish out this year and go on? Everything I've seen says yes. So that's something to think about. Florida State's class is really on the right the right trajectory. I've got a few more notes, but I mean that's just off the top of my head. I'm trying to think, I don't want to leave anybody out, but like, for example, Jake Parrish, kid out of Palm Beach, he's a thumper, uh, tremendous inside linebacker. There's a there's a role for him in some capacity because he can cover as a freshman. Most freshman linebackers struggle in the pass game. He won't. B.J. Gibson, another kid, that's the other one. I knew I missed somebody. Can really make plays. I think he's very underrated because he's not at a big-time name school in Georgia. He can come in and play. It's up to him. He'll figure it out. Um, To wrap up segment one, before we go into, like, what the positions mean and and why I kind of label them the way I do in terms of importance, note that FSU's got some pretty good balance, offense and defense. Very important. Too many teams have recruiting classes that they're really good, 
but they don't have the ability for lack of a better team or term to be balanced. They have a position that's just one guy. They needed three, they get one. Or they needed corners, like it's a critical position, and they really come up short. I mean, that can't happen. Uh, Florida State's class is really good in, in that sense. And if you can do that consistently, it's pretty hard not to win. Um, that that's that's going to pay dividends. So, Florida State so far, I, I would think it's pretty conservative to say top ten. It's a borderline top five. Everybody's got their opinion. They have a couple things they need to finish on, but I'm very bullish on it right now. Um, with that being said, please uh, please understand that I'm also very very happy. Oops, wrong thing. I'm also very very happy about Florida State's future with who they're recruiting. That'll be the third segment. We're talking about a lot of different players that are still on the board and some behind the scenes that are very, very good. I think Florida State's going to finish pretty strong, too. So um, thanks once again to all the everydayers, everybody out there that listens all the time. I really do appreciate it. Please hit that like button, that notification bell, and I will be more than happy to be doing this for as long as I possibly can. So segment two, corner. D-line, D-end, or D-tackle, take your pick. Doesn't matter which. You have to consistently get players at those spots. You've got to get a lot of guys to rotate in on defense. You have to. Florida State's got a couple underrated players, a couple really good players on their on their defensive line in general that have kind of worked their way up the ranks. But they've also got kids that way in this year's recruiting class, too. I think that if you look at Florida State's class, the one thing they still got to work on, this is the third segment, is D-tackle. Most teams, there just aren't enough of them. Every year it's the same. You can't teach size. They need more there. But, for instance, if you look at a key player in the class so far, is Holmes. He's out of Gonzaga. It's in D.C. Great program. Not good. Great program. They've always churned out kids that are a little bit more mature, academically inclined, et cetera, he has a chance to come in and play. He's 250-ish, give or take, super length. That's one guy as, as an edge that I'm very excited about, and I think that not only is he good enough to come in and play, he can play at multiple spots. Again, versatility. Third down, they can move him inside. Maybe first and 10, he's a strong side edge. Whatever, that'll that'll take care of itself but he's athletic enough to play multiple spots. That's huge for Florida State because D-line, like a five-star D-lineman, hypothetically, his value is so much higher, so much higher than an offensive guard. A corner is more than like just an outside linebacker. There are just certain spots. There's just not enough of them. And Florida State got a player that is underrated. I don't know what – I mean, he's at a really great program – and he's in the top 300. I think he's a little bit better than like we're on three and some of them have him. But I'm sure that uh, Norvell and his staff are quite happy regardless. So um, D.D. Holmes is also a kid that I think is, is a good trend. Every now and then D.C. has been good to FSU. They need to get back in there. Just kind of want to mention that because if Florida State is going to be a national contender consistently per capita, per capita. D.C. has been really good for a long time, putting kids in the NFL. It's a football city. 
Now, the basketball is good there too, but it, it is football first. It is tremendous in that regard. What other position do you think besides quarterback, D-end, D-tackle, and corner? Quarterback is, again, that's that's easy. It's debatable, but I think it's receiver now. And I, when I say that, I want to be very specific. Outside receiver that has all the intangibles. It's, it's just about measurable. Size, speed, make you miss, hands, has some polish. It's a lot. That one is the biggest asterisk position if you want to talk about critical need. It is. You can't be missing any of those and be that guy because receiver coaches at every level are picky, picky, picky guys. If you don't do it their way, you don't play pretty much. I don't always agree with it. I think sometimes you should dumb it down, but that's a discussion for another day. Polish is very important. Can Florida State get somebody to come in and do that? They've got some good athletes. They've got some good players in the class. That's a possibility. But a, a 6'3", 200-pound guy that can go, that helps. Uh, well, Wayne McCoy, Elijah Moore, really good. Obviously, I, I went and saw well, Wayne recently. He's got a little more polish than what he's been given credit for. His route running is good. But the other guy that – this is the extension of it because I, I think the two positions are about the same anymore. Receiver and tight end. If you have a flex tight end, obviously Landon Thomas. He's another one of those kids. I saw him when he was – going to be a freshman or whatever and i'm like this is ridiculous he looked like he was a foot taller than everybody else playing at the 15u level and seven on seven it was pretty comical and he plays at colquitt county in south central georgia right off of 75 used to play in big boy competition goes against top teams and seven on seven playing with 229 etc landon has been prepared i consider him a receiver in a sense because of how florida state runs their offense i really do Smart kid, versatile kid, has the ability to make things happen. And he is absolutely unequivocally a guy that I think can come in and contribute. Florida State doesn't have a guy like Landon Thomas right now. Tight end, but he is a receiver. If you look at the other part of the equation with receiver, there's always room for somebody else. Obviously, Jeremiah Smith. Obviously, they're going to continue to recruit Josiah Trader, etc. Not saying they're not. But receiver for Florida State is better again, kind of like, like I used to mention with Jaden Parrish a little bit ago. I saw him in the spring. He is tremendous. They're not getting enough credit in this class by some of the national analysts, but that doesn't mean they won't go to Tallahassee and play. So I think they're right around eight, nine guys that have the, a chance to play next fall. It's just up to them. Come in mentally prepared. That's the biggest thing. That goes along with the word polished means technique, technique, technique. It never changes. Sounds boring, but coaches will not play freshmen unless they do it their way. College coaches are super picky. It's just the way it is. Can the kids adjust? We don't know as recruiting analysts. Nobody does because you're dealing with teenagers. That's important. And then also, how much bigger and stronger do they get? Think about how much difference will Wayne McCoy, use him for an example, can be Next year at this time, he's maybe 170 pounds or so right now. But he can really run, natural route runner, and tremendous hands. If he puts on 12, 14 pounds, the odds of a Wayne McCoy playing for the Knowles right away goes up exponentially. Exponentially. You cannot have enough guys that can make the contested catches. Now, he's going to get open and make guys miss. I guarantee you that. 
But sometimes it's just you and him. That guy did a good job on the route. Can you battle for the ball? And can you block? Screen game, can you be a guy that helps in the run game? If you're getting blitz creaked in the run game as a blocker, they're not going to play. So that's up to Wayne. All the physical tools are there. Now it's about what's here to put forth the effort to get bigger, faster, stronger. And that goes for any kid, too. I just used him as one example. So to kind of put it in perspective, to, to kind of summarize segment two, the biggest thing here, it's about position. Did you hit the home run at any key position? Cromahawk is the elite player. I actually had a buddy call me today, and he said that Cromahawk has the most upside, in his opinion, of any quarterback in the class of 24. This is not a Florida State fan. This is a guy that I flat out does not like Florida State. But he's, he's an honest, objective talent evaluator, and he loves the kid. Cam Davis can play multiple spots, slot receiver, running back, et cetera. It's not necessarily a critical need, but he's an elite player. McCoy's a receiver. If he gets a little bigger, he fits that big-time receiver mold. You have big-time DB and K.J. Bolton. He could play a corner if he wanted, but he's a safety. That's pretty close. And then a corner, obviously, you have a certain guy from Venice, Charles Wester. That's definite. I think Holmes is a guy that's completely underrated. He has a chance to come in the end. The one spot, and this is what we'll talk a little bit about in segment three, is D-tackle that they don't have any elite guy. I like Jamari Flagg, but I don't think he's an elite impact guy yet. He's not polished enough, et cetera. He's getting better. Good player out of Miami, Booker T, and I saw him last year, not this year, but I need to see him again to really evaluate him. I just haven't seen him yet in the 2023 season. So before I go into the last segment, I want you to think to yourself on the following question. If you're a lifelong Florida State fan and been around a while, this will be a little bit easier for you. But this is something I knew growing up from, oh, I'll just say like 87, somewhere right in around there through 2002-ish, somewhere through. There wasn't a single year, not one. Not one that Florida State didn't have at least one, if not two, big time defensive tackles in terms of their upside in a game to be game wreckers. It was ridiculous. Most of them in state kids. I talked about it the other day. Corey Simon and some other guys were were great players. But if Florida State is going to beat Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. Penn State, USC, whatever it is in the playoffs over the next several years, they have to flat out go out and get the guy that every single school in the country wants. I'm going to say this so many times, you're going to hate it. They have to, they got to change the narrative. You can develop guys like Jamoy Flagg, and that's fine. He will be, be just way better, though, if, if you put a guy next to him, you got a double team. Broderick Bunkley's guys of that nature that are, they walk off the bus. You're like, holy cow, we're facing that dude today. That's what Florida State needs. Those are the four and five star, four and five star D tackles that Florida State hasn't hit as much over the last decade. I haven't, I'm not saying they haven't hit some, but they got to hit at a higher rate. And what's be more specific? For whatever reason, the state of Alabama and Georgia just, it's insane how many big-bodied defensive linemen come out of those states. No idea why. It's more than Florida, flat out. FSU's got to start getting some of those kids that Alabama and Georgia desperately want. 
end of negotiation, period. It's not friendly. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's not likely. Do it anyway. If you're going to beat them, you have to take players away from them. That's it. This is not a long-standing, difficult conversation. They just went and got Wester. Alabama wanted him. They got Bolden out of Georgia. Georgia and everybody wanted him. Got to do it at D-tackle. And I'm talking about out of high school, 270 is like a small guy. The 280, 290, 300-pound guy that walks in the door day one, he's competing for playing time, national top 25 kind of D-tackle. Florida State used to get those kids. They haven't gotten them as much lately. For whatever reason, that must change. They don't have to do it every year, but every, you know, every two or three years, at least you got to get one of those guys. You're not always, not always going to just develop guys. You need instant impact there too. That's the last missing piece. And they've done a great job in this class. I love the 24 class. If they want to finish it with a bang, that's where it's at. Now, they need another pass rusher or whatever, and that's fine. If you could get another big-time player like Zaquan Patterson, that's great. I'm not saying don't take them. Do they need another offensive tackle? Possibly. If you can get a really good – at this point, it's about is it elite players. Down the stretch, that's just kind of, it's kind of like NFL draft. Who's the best guy? If there's not a guy that doesn't help us, you trade down. Well, in this case, in recruiting, you just save the scholarship, use it for the portal or a kid that's a walk-on that's earned it, whatever. Florida State is to that point. There's a handful of guys they're going to go after. Some guys are going to try to flip. Uh, I went and saw Artavius Jones yesterday. That's a kid Florida State is all over. He told me that, that flat out Florida State is recruiting him hard, trying to flip him from Miami. That would be a great pickup, but he's. I think he's going to go to Miami. We'll see, but I think he's going to be a cane. I'm curious if Florida State can get not one but two guys in this class that are at least really good that are 300-pound range. I'm not sure what flag is up to, so I'm putting an asterisk by him. I'm going to guess he's in the 280 range right now. But if Florida State can get at least one more, if, again, I'm not sure what Jamori's size is, that are big-body guys like that, it's just going to help them. Getting Fisk was great. That is not the norm. Completely not, especially since he was a Midwest kid. That was a coup. They got very lucky. I'm not saying they didn't do a good job recruiting him, but you cannot count on the transfer portal with D-line. There just aren't very many good ones. There just isn't. There's there a handful, and Florida State's done a pretty good job there. The portal of Florida State's done great. But at some point, that's going to bite you. You need to develop your own guys at every position with elite talent. It's that simple. So I don't, I don't know if anything else could really be complained about with Florida State's class. It's not finished. It's not a complaint right now. It's just that's what needs to happen to finish in the top five of the rankings. Florida State needs that to happen. So can can the Knowles do it? Of course they can. They've done it for years, and the staff is doing well, and they're winning. You know, they're a preseason top ten team. They're coming off a great season, and I expect them to finish – this season, somewhere in the top 10 as well, they should have a pretty good class. There, there's no reason not to. It's justifiable. It's flat out justifiable. So with that, please like this podcast. Please share it. Please hit the notification bell and respond. If you're on YouTube, you got something you want to ask about, that's cool. Let it rip. Recruiting question. 
in Florida State history. Those are my two faves. But if it's about LSU, and by the way, their depth chart is going all over the place. I kind of put the brakes on doing anymore because I've been told two different things on like a couple positions. I don't know if there's disinformation or whatever, but it's pretty dicey trying to figure out what's going on at LSU right now. That does not help my cause doing this podcast, I can assure you. But anyway, uh, if it's something about the LSU game, I'll see what I can do. I'm more than happy to to help out. I, I'm really looking forward to the LSU game. Probably going to go up to Orlando and do some interviews in the in the parking lot and just talk to people. I don't know if I'll go into the game or not, but I'm definitely going to check it out and just have a good time. So anyway, everybody have a great day. Thank you very much.